Blog Talk Radio. Uh, which I will bring up here in a second. Uh, 
I think I want to go back to them and get them. Yeah. Um, yeah, here. United Airlines considers outsourcing jobs at 28 U.S. airports. Can yeah, you they said that? that this morning on the, on the yeah. mainstream. Yeah, news. I mean, what the hell is going on here? All right. Because they want to be competitive, that's what they yeah, said. Yeah, competitive. United Airlines is assessing whether to outsource jobs at airports around the country in a cost-cutting effort that could impact some 2,000 workers. See, to me, any United States uh, any United States corporation that works, you know, that that's in this country, okay, should never, ever, ever be allowed to outsource their work. Uh, you know, uh, Chicago-based uh, cutting efforts that could impact some 2,000 workers. The Chicago-based carrier informed employees Monday that jobs up for review include baggage handlers. How are they going to outsource baggage handlers? Let me just tell you, that isn't, the outsourcing is not the correct word. They're going to privatize it to other companies. That's what my understanding was. Right, anyway, uh, handlers and gate and customer service agents at 28 airports that are not hubs, ranging from Atlanta to Anchorage, it has yet to make any decisions. The potential outsourcing marks Another step the carrier took could take to help meet the goal it laid out in 2013 to cut costs by $2 billion annually. Mm-hmm. The United States, you know, investor... United said. Yeah. And, but you know, you know what pisses me off most about this is that we're now, I mean, with the gas prices down so low, mm-hmm. all right, they'll save $2 billion just in, just in fees, just in uh, not fees, but in uh, 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 fuel. Uh, fuel costs. And all the damn baggage fees that they're charging and everything else, you know, the outsourcing revenue comes in the top plans announced in July to outsource more than 630 jobs. Uh, United likely has faced pressure from Delta Airlines, which has kept costs low because many of its workers lack union representation, according to a source familiar with the situation. Mm-hmm. It was unclear how much United could save through outsourcing. If this, if the company decides to proceed. It would offer workers the option of transferring to jobs at other airports based on seniority, according to uh, Punstenberger. Four furloughs or layoffs could result if workers decline the offers. The International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, which represents those potentially affected by the review, learned several months ago that the carrier had asked contractors to submit proposals to perform uh, ground handling work at several stations. Union official uh, Rich Delaney said in a bulletin posted on the union's website over the weekend. Now that United has notified the IAM officially of its review, it will enter negotiation with the union to see how it could retain workers within the airline. The Wall Street Journal reported that the unions plan to meet the United with United on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like, well, you know, it, it's just wrong. It's just wrong. It just means that they're yeah. not going to be, uh, they're hiring a company to deal with yeah, that. Yeah, they're hiring issues. a company, but still, you know. It's, it's they mean outsourcing from their company, yeah. not outsourcing out of the Need company. Need help filing your tax returns. Don't call the IRS. Huh. They're laying off people right and left on the IRS. Plus, I saw that. Plus, it's down Obamacare, I guess, is really, is really going to be a problem. Filing a federal tax return is about to get more complicated for millions of families. Because the president for I'm calling, sir. Well, this is a fifteen minutes. So I tweeted about it. Now I'm trending. Don't live in Monty's world. Live in the sorry, modern world, where you can take money out of car insurance in half the time. Yeah, you should. Back by all day. Quicker call. Yeah. Okay. Filing a federal tax return is about to get more complicated. Don't do that. You could actually play that. Uh, more complicated uh, for millions of Americans because of President Obama's health law but they shouldn't expect much help from the Internal Revenue Service. Got a question for the IRS? Good luck reaching someone by phone. The tax agency says only half of the 100 million people expected to call this year will be able to reach a person. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. And uh, it also goes on to say callers who do get through may have to wait on hold for 30 minutes or more to talk to someone who will answer only the simplest questions. Taxpayers who need help are not getting it, and tax compliance is likely to suffer over the longer term if these problems are not quickly and decisively addressed at a report 
Wednesday by agency watchdog Nina E. Olson. IRS Commissioner John Koskin says budget cuts are forcing the agency to reduce taxpayer services and other functions. The number of audits will decline. Well, that's good. Technology upgrades will be delayed, and the agency might be forced to shut down and furlough workers for two days later this year. The IRS will, not, will no longer help low-income taxpayers fill out the returns, and tax refunds could be delayed for people who file paper returns. It couldn't be worse timing. Congress cut the IRS by $346 million for the budget year that ends September 30th. Uh, Koskin says the agency's $10.9 billion budget is its lowest since 2008 when adjusted for inflation. The budget hasn't been this low since 1998. Republicans in Congress adamantly oppose Obama's health law, so some have been working to starve the IRS of funds just as its role in implementing the law ramps up. It won't work, Koskin said in an interview. The agency, he said, is required by law to help implement the health program. The only places we have discretion are information technology, tax enforcement, and customer service. Splitting costs could actually cost the government money. Uh, cost gives uh, them that uh, having fewer enforcement agents will cost at least $2 billion in lost revenue this year. Uh, service problems at the IRS will also make it harder for well-intentioned taxpayers to comply with the law, uh, said Olson, who is the national taxpayer advocate and independent office within the IRS. Without adequate support, many taxpayers will be frustrated. Some will make potentially costly mistakes. Others will incur higher compliance costs uh, when forced to seek information and assistance from tax uh, professionals. Still others, Olson said, will simply give up and not file. Olson released her annual report to Congress Wednesday, less than a week before the start of the tax filing season on Tuesday. In it, she raises concerns about the IRS's ability to help implement the health law. She said the agency was unable to adequately test the accuracy of some information received from health insurance exchanges. Also, delays affect the training of IRS employees. Also noted that some of the issues involve other agencies, but she added, the IRS will certainly bear much of the public's blame because many of the problems will arise in the context of returning files of return filing. And Koskin said the IRS has increased efforts to educate taxpayers and the public about tax implications of health law, devoting a section of the agency's website to answering questions. Um, Koskin's advice to taxpayers with questions, don't call the IRS unless you absolutely have to. For the first time, tax filers will have to report information about the health insurance during the previous year. For most people who get health coverage through work or through government programs like Medicaid, it will mean simply checking a box. Others who got insurance through state and federal marketplaces will have to file a new form, while people who receive subsidies will have to provide more detailed information. People who don't have health insurance, who didn't have health insurance last year, face fines unless they qualify for a waiver, which requires more paperwork. <laughs> Uh, people aren't going to do it. No. The subsidies were based on projected income, so families will need to report if actual incomes were higher or lower. If higher, they might have to pay back some of the subsidies, either through a smaller tax refund or a payment. If their incomes were lower, they might qualify for a larger tax fund refund. Taxpayers who get subsidies are supposed to notify the health exchanges during the year if their incomes change or if they have some other life event that changes their, ineligibi their eligibility, said Catherine Pickering, executive director of the Tax Institute at H&R Block. If somebody got married, a divorce, had a baby, got a job, lost a job, anything that changes their income. Okay, I'm going to uh, yeah, just... Uh, so Congress refused to pay it for rejecting the agency's $600 million request. So I'm going to... Um, Sounds like it's going to be a mess. It's going to be a hell of a mess. So let's call Larry.
Hey, Larry, how are you? Good, Leo, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Hi, Larry, how are you? It's Lila. Lila, great to hear your voice. Happy New Year. And to, and to you, too. Uh, I'm glad to hear you're, you're, uh, you're above water tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, nothing like a winter uh, pipe problem. Boy, that that's the time when you wish you uh had the abilities that plumbers have. Exactly. You you got that right. Or I live either or you lived out west or you weren't beholden to some utility or another. Oh boy. I've been there and and in the winter too and there's nothing worse than having a broken pipe in the winter. Yeah, but if that's the worst uh, of our problems, we're we're in good shape. Oh, good. I'm glad you're you're all set, boy. Thank terrible. you. I appreciate that. So, speaking of uh, frozen pipes, uh, what do you think? Uh, well, what do you think of this uh, <laughs> this horrible, horrible, horrible federal government that we're with? That was uh, the, this Republican. <laughs> yeah, you know, that. you keep saying keep saying it can't get worse, and you know, then it does. Um, it keeps getting. I mean, we were just reading about the, the, the of course, the, you know, they're uh, taking away from disability now, uh, reducing, reducing it by twenty percent for poor people. That, uh, you know. right, right. Uh, yeah. They, well, look, the first thing they did was uh, go after. Literally on the first day, they went after Social Security. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're trying to screw around. Imperfect as it is, they're trying to screw around with Obamacare and water it down. Uh, they want to defund the immigration stuff. Um, so, you know, there's certainly no signs of camaraderie or cooperation or bipartisanship. Yeah, I mean, what's and even it's going to be... Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. We just, we just read this article uh, tonight on uh, uh, the IRS. Okay, they, they cut out $346 million dollars off their budget, and uh, they're saying, uh, you know, the but because of Obamacare now, they've got new forms that have to be filled out. People have a question. And they're saying, don't call the IRS because they won't, they can't help you. All right. Because right. there's no take your call. Yeah, and there could be a minimum of 30 minute wait. If right. you get through. And they're only going to answer yeah. the minimum, uh, the the most uh, minimal question right yeah that's just irresponsible you know it's it's like the same thing that they did in uh they they don't they don't want to pay anybody you know they suspend Mm -hmm. paying government workers then it ends up costing you more money (laughs) in the end it doesn't do anything they said it could cost up to two billion dollars okay in the lost revenue lost revenue for the irs just like trying to feed the government is bad narrative and what they actually do when you dismantle those agencies is you're just helping the big corporations and the wealthy actually and that's really what they want to do is that they want to put more money in the pockets of uh, the big people and it's going to be at our expense I mean uh, you know I like the joke though it, it you know it takes these nut job Republicans to actually make the Democrats look good oh, oh yeah you got oh, that oh, right constantly but but the, the amazing thing too is they're telling you not to file by paper. Uh, yep. No, paper. no I, I hear you. Yeah, that's you know that's nothing so, so surprises me with these guys though. The people, you know, um, you know they can't file by paper. Don't expect your returns. Okay, <laughs> I mean, it's like oh right, yeah. right. Yeah, and, and how does this help? Yeah, how does this help move the needle? How does this help get the country forward? It doesn't. Yeah, I mean, gee. And, uh, you know, we also just read about uh, uh, United Airlines uh, planning to outsource. Cut jobs. Yeah, cut jobs. 2,000, yep. Yeah, 2,000 jobs, right? Right? Yeah. Larry, those are union workers? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, those are, uh, I'm imagining, I believe most of them would be um, yeah. I was union jobs. That they, so. Yeah, like uh, some of the uh, uh, their competitors, uh Delta. Not. Delta. Yeah, Delta is not a union. Delta is not uh, union. Yeah, and others. But um, right. I, I think I think what bothers me the most is that we're seeing this huge drop in energy costs now. All right. 
not being reflected but anywhere it, but else. No, no, no. It, no it, they're increasing passenger uh, uh, costs everywhere, baggage costs, everything, and laying people off, and then and and yet. They've never they've never enjoyed a low uh, at the, what a dollar ninety nine a gallon there. Well, I don't know what they pay for their jet fuel. I'm sure it's probably the same. Um, they've seen a huge decrease. So I mean, it's got to. Well, it's their not it's line. not being reflected there. It's not being reflected in the cost of food. Certainly, oh, the God, cost no, of food no. seems to be creeping up all the time. Yeah. So where where do you? I mean, how do you, how do you, how do they justify this um, this kind of increase? Or this kind of uh, uh, layoff and this kind of um, uh, action that they're planning to take there. I mean, well, they don't. I mean, the truth is, they they act, they behave with impunity. I mean, this is what corporations do. They, yeah, you know, and this has been the they're, they're just one more example of what happens in the age of you know deregulation and the age of unbridled corporate power. It's not about the consumers, you know, the customers. It's not about the workers. Um, they're they're making profit. They're making more money at the expense of what should be done um, uh, to benefit people who fly and the workers who make it happen. So, uh, what can be done? I absolutely I have no clue at this point how you how you can stop that. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. What about our union? Do we? Um in here in Connecticut, uh, asked me, do we have any big contracts coming up? Um, you know, we're on the municipal front. We have, we always have um, many contracts that come up. I mean, the state side is pretty quiet because of that uh, agreement we reached with the Malloy administration. All of the state employee contracts expire next year, but. Um, one thing we're trying to get done at the legislature and meeting a lot of resistance to already is uh, we, as we've discussed on this show, uh, we want to expand the state health care plan by letting municipalities buy into the state employee rate. Um, in essence, make um, you know buying health insurance cheaper for the cities and towns and the insurance industry and the brokers are fighting it already you know, kind of tooth and nail. Really? What's going to happen, Larry? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, what, what, what is, yeah, with, with these, um, I forgot what I was going to say. I, I, I it slipped my mind. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, right, uh, don't worry. So, yeah, it'll come back to you. It'll come back. So there's there's a lot of resistance to, to that insurance plan, huh? From yeah, we're seeing it already. And, yeah, I mean, the legislature just convened, of course, Lila, so we'll see how it, plays out, but, um, you know, we, we want this legislative session to really be about, in a, in a broader sense, the inequities that are going on in Connecticut, um, and, you know, the fact of the matter is is that the only way you're going to have a serious discussion and be able to raise revenue is to um, raise taxes on the wealthy, close corporate tax loopholes. You really to ask these folks to pay their fair share because otherwise we're simply not going to be able to do what we want to do. Malloy wants to fix, you know, address transportation. I give him credit for that. But, um, you know, that uh, how are we going to pay for these services, you know, um, when, when in fact, you know, we, we've been buying into this anti-government uh, Republican and Democratic mantra of, uh, you know, going after working people and, you know, cutting taxes uh, for the wealthy. And, you know, there was just a report, uh, Department of Revenue Services, that showed the, um, yeah, the bur- tax burden is falling disproportionately on, you know, poor and middle class people and uh, wealthy in Connecticut pay far less. So I find that to be, you know, supportive of our, our argument. That's in uh, state, in Connecticut taxes? Or fe- in or Connecticut, yep, yep. yep. What, about, so what do you think uh, about the fact that they may put in uh, tollbooths on the, on the roads? Do you think that's a good move? Well, I think it is. I, I really do. Um, uh, but I'd be lying if I hadn't said I hadn't completely... Um, uh, done all my research on it, but I believe that, you know... It's a way to generate revenues, um, but I, you know, I know there's another side to the issue um, in terms of clogging things up and uh, making it harder to travel. 
Mm-hmm. I would rather see that than an increase in uh, in uh, gasoline taxes again. You know. Right. Those, you know, Connecticut. That you know, that's a great point because we again we're going to talk about middle class people. Um, it, it's really uh, just a, you know, you're asking folks who, you know, Connecticut's got a crappy transportation infrastructure, so people oh. have to have, a, right? So people have to have a, um, uh, you know, they need a car, and they're, you know, so the the gas tax is just going to hit middle class people, I think, and lower lower, you know, income earners more than anybody else. Yep. I wanted to ask it. What I, I I just recalled what I was going to ask it, and it was mm-hmm. um, about the employer health care tax that's coming around. Uh, Two fifteen. Mm-hmm. All the unions uh, ex- their exemption expires uh, from Obamacare, and I guess they're going to be uh, uh, all the employer. Uh, so the employers will pay a the, penalty, which they the, will then pass uh, on to the workers. Yeah. As I understand it, is that correct? Larry? Yes, they're, yeah. Yeah, Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yes, um, it's, you know, technically known as an excise tax, and basically it it, it penalizes um, plans that, um, you know, have decent and have good benefit levels. So it's conceivably uh, kind of a battleground for, um, for us because, you know, what we're going to find and we're starting to see it is that employers are saying they want to bargain the impact, uh, municipal employers and board of education, boards of education, where, you know, we have contracts starting to reopen on the, on the city and town side are saying, you know, we need to discuss the surcharge, the excise tax, the ca- as you called it, as it's been labeled in the press, the Cadillac tax. So, you know, we opposed that from the start. We didn't think that was... Um, a wise move, Joe Courtney, um, to his credit, our congressman from the southeastern Connecticut, had gotten had led the fight to get the extension from 2014, I think, to 2018. So um, he deserves credit for that. And I, I don't know; it's hard for me to predict right now how that will play out. But obviously, uh, that's certainly not something um, we we need to be dealing with. Um, but I also would have to say that, um, you know, I think Obamacare or the ACA is, uh, you know, it's a good start toward fixing the problems, but ultimately, you know, we need a Medicaid for uh, Medicaid and Medicare for all plan. Yeah. But you're absolutely so, right. It's going to be an issue. It's going to be an issue for uh, for unions as they negotiate. Uh, so so this is for, for 2018, not 2015. I thought it, I thought it expired in 2015. No, it expires in the 17, I believe it's the 17, 18 fiscal year. So oh. employers are starting. So employers are starting to come to us now, um, saying we have to discuss the impact as this thing starts to come down the line. Right. Yeah, because you got three-year and four-year contracts. Huh? Um, right. Now I was surprised to find out after Malloy was elected that we do have a huge deficit yeah. in this state. Yeah, fifty-three mm-hmm. million dollars or something, and and rising. Uh, yes, yes, yes. How, what happened there? How did he? How did he? <laughs> uh, yeah, what happened there? Do you know? <laughs> Magic number? No, I. No, I don't. And I think you know. Look, when he was running, um, he, I don't think the guy ever said we're in we're in great shape. He's you know we're moving forward, um, and. Uh, it, it, you know, it doesn't surprise me to, to see that happen, but um, at the same time, it kind of reinforces, it's one, I should say, it's one reinforcement when I, you know, I mentioned before the report that the state's poorest are contributing more than the state's richest to our tax coffers. Um, I don't, not to say I don't care how we got to the deficit, um, the point is we have one, and if we're going to talk about transportation, we're going to talk about health care, we're going to talk about public education um, and all the things we expect from government. Um, you know, we can't have a system where Connecticut's poorest residents are paying approximately, you know, 20, more than 20% of the state tax revenue. That's twice what the top earners contribute. So that's my... You know, that's my larger problem, and that's the, the Department of Revenue Services report I was I was talking about. How, how, re- how receptive is Malloy to making any changes in that system? 
Yeah, I, well, and it's not just Malloy. I mean, look, it's the legislature, and, you know, it's, it, chances of it happening probably might be considered slim to none until there's some kind of awakening that um, we have to do things differently in the state, and then we have to ask people to pay their fair share. Um, but is there, a, if you're asking me, is there a political will to do it? I'd say not. No. What, what did you think of the, uh, 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 I mean, what did you think of the, the way the uh, Pura, okay, came up with the, uh, with, with that, with their increase for the, uh, for CLMP, you know? <laughs> I don't know what methodology they use other than uh, how much can we make this hurt people. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like, how the hell were they, well, you know, oh. Uh, what, it's, it's like all, all of, a lot of government things. They have all these open meetings. They get, you're able to say whatever you want to say, but they already, you already know what the outcome is going to be. They already made the decision. Right. But that's what I, exactly. I find so terribly insulting about these kind of meetings that they have. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah and, you know, again, yeah. Roland led the charge when he was governor uh, before he went to jail for the first time to deregulate um, the uh, electrical utilities industry. Um, Democrats went along, didn't fight him on it. And I consider all this sort of, uh, you know, the, the normal consequence of, uh, of deregulating industries and giving them and putting them in the driver's seat. Um, I don't have an answer or an alternative, but it's pretty clear we don't have a competitive uh, you know, it's, it's funny. The business community always argues about making compa- Connecticut competitive, but really, they only want to make it competitive among themselves to see how much money they can make at the expense of, uh, you know, the expense of the working folks like you and me. Well, the key is to the is the appointees. When you appoint right. people from the industry to sit on these boards, it's it's really right. just insulting. I think. Yeah, right. Exactly. There's no. No consumer watchdog, no, you know, right, there's no, um, there's no balance. No, it's like the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. They're all paid for the, they're all paid. By the nuclear industry. Exactly, they're all paid by the nuclear industry. So, you know, they're supposed to be the watchdogs. I mean, you know. They they they, practically write the legislation and then, uh, you know. Well, we never, I'll tell you the truth. Lila and I went up against the DPUC, which is now Pura. (laughs) I love that. That Experience, you know, back uh, over ten years ago, and we were fighting for the access channel up there, and uh, we found what a corrupt bunch of oh my god, we 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 were thrown. Even the uh, office of consumer counsel, that poor lady, we, she she retired after <laughs> our case. She said she had never ever ever seen such a corrupt uh, uh, mess. That, <laughs> uh, you know, what, what, you know, with the. Uh, with, with this the way it was run, because we had received yeah. it, we had gotten we had gotten it by, you know, um, we had we sued AT and T and all this kind of stuff and got the the channel, and then AT and T put up a dummy corporation, you know, because they were scared to death to be audited, which is what we insisted that they are, and so uh, you know what they do. Yeah, we got about a hundred thousand dollars out of them for the community, but they owed well over that. But they refused oh. to be audited, and so they put up this company, okay, this other dummy corporation, okay, that uh, and 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 uh, you know that came in and refused. We don't want an audit. We love AT and T, and we'll kiss their asses from now till eternity. You know that kind of thing. And so it, it was an AT and T sponsored group. So uh, I'm sure this and, happens and, and anytime. They overturned the agreement that was the the agreement that was uh, that where we were managing. And they put these guys in. Okay, it was what a fight we had. It was an unbelievable fight for over a year. I wouldn't have believed but, uh, it except I went through it. I would we, we went through it, and the political corruption was unbelievable. The uh, the the collusion and the oh my god, man. Well, we I mean we just as 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 uh, uh, what would you call uh, newbies? Okay, uh, uh, neophytes in the political arena. Holy cow! We got our asses reamed so badly, you know, but we learned, we learned, <laughs> you can't, you cannot fight these guys. These guys are as corrupt as, as, as they get, you know, and, um, you know, it's a, it's a completely uh, controlled by the uh, utilities, by the cable companies, 
despite, you know, whatever. You know, the, the little guy. And I'm sure no I'm sure now it's, it's worse than it was 10 years oh, ago. Oh, it is. Oh, it is. It's, but it's that would be my guess. And but the irony of it all was they, was they changed their name to Pura instead <laughs> of DPUC. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, yeah. So, right, still the same uh, thing, though. I wish, I wish we had more control over the appointees, and they got when we got some decent appointees in these places, and then and then maybe the ordinary people would have a fair shot. And back then they were all rolling appointees, you know, to that to DPUC, and uh, and then they were rel, and then you know, and we just got a Democratic uh, uh, governor there a few four years ago, but uh, they're pretty much the same ones. Um, also, what did you think about the 12% raise that he gave all of his? Uh, uh, well, uh, yeah, obviously that that you know doesn't sit well with, with anybody we represent. I, I I can understand. Look, we negotiated and it was a struggle. Uh, state employees, rank and file state employees, are getting three percent um, raises, and they're also you know paying more for their health insurance. Uh, there's a new pension tier. I mean, we made a lot of concessions uh, to help um, close the gap and help protect services. So I think 12% is way above and beyond uh, what was necessary. It sent a poor message, and I don't know why he did it, but he did it. So, um, But I, I don't think it was, a, it was a constructive thing to do. No, I think I think the worst part was how he did it. You know it, that he oh right on during the holidays heading into the holidays right yeah it was it was just it didn't reflect well on him to do it that way I didn't mm-hmm. think I mean he should be right up front and say this is you know I've given I, I would have preferred that not that I would have liked it I just felt it was just a really sort of sleazy way to do something like I know it's a really rotten thing to do so I'm going to sneak it through at this time. And, and also, he didn't yeah, really yeah. didn't fight the utilities either, you know, for for raising those rates. Which, uh, no, no, and he's gotten a lot of. Uh, and, and look, the utilities, to, in my mind, is uh, you know they've they've contributed heavily to both parties. So I, you know, Republicans and Democrats alike are seem fairly much to be enthralled to the uh, utility companies. And as it might sound unfair, but that's just how I feel. And um, I think some of the Campaign contributions would bear that out, so you're you're on target. But again, you know we as we represent sixteen thousand state employees, a little less, and um, just doesn't sit well. And you're right, Lila. It wasn't, you know. But even putting aside how it was handled in terms of you know sneaking it in on a press release during the holidays, it's um, it, it it's it's above and beyond the pale when you consider what people are going through and what you consider. And when you consider what rank and file state employees receive for a raise, which again is three percent, so if you're going to hand out raises, I think three percent is more than enough for um, people at the top of the ladder. Right, and it isn't as, as if they've been there that long either. Whereas uh, many of those right. state employees have been there twenty or twenty-five years. Right. It, it just it doesn't send a positive message. That's all. No, I I was very disappointed that he did that, and. I'm very upset about how he did it and doing it that way, and the fact that he that um, our union members had to fight so hard for what was really a very small raise. Mhm, mhm. Um, yeah. Bad form. It's just bad form. So well, it really is. And, I expected a little more of him. I have to say. I did too. I, I was so I was I was that. disappointed right away with that move. But I don't know yeah. <clears throat> how you know the higher ups in your union feel about him. Whether they're going to hold him a little his feet to the fire. After all, he was well supported by union members. He was, and uh, like I say, we're not nobody. Uh, nobody who in, in the rank and file could be happy to have heard this and. Um, you know, uh, but again, we're gonna, it's not gonna stop us from fighting. He's also done a lot of positive things, and, you know, we're gonna, uh, certainly, um, demand accountability when it comes to, uh, moving the needle in a way that benefits working people. 
So be, be, besides the um, the municipalities uh, being eligible for health care, which you're going to, which the union has supported for quite a while, and I'm, I, I think that's a great move. Is there any mm -hmm. other issue that's um, in the forefront for unions to bring before um, the politicians this year? And our yeah, I think there's going to be. I mean, I think you're going to see a lot of. Um, you're going to see a lot of activity just again speaking for our union we're pushing for legislation to allow workers that aren't covered under collective bargaining who don't have collective bargaining rights to get them and that most notably for us would be the probate court workers um, many of them uh, it's a female dominated occupation uh, they they serve at the will of uh, the whim of probate judges and they deserve the right to uh, organize. So we're going to be pushing that fight. I think in coalition we're going to be um, uh, working with several other unions, of course, to make sure that um, cities and towns uh, get proper funding and money is not cut because those are the, that's the money that helps fund uh, local services, whether it's health care, social services, infrastructure. So we're going to be keeping an eye on that. Um, and I think we're going to be pushing uh, accountability bills, you know, corporate accountability bills, um, looking at companies that, like Walmart that um, have their employees, push their employees onto the state husky program. Uh, they need to be held accountable and pay a penalty if they um, – if they employ low-wage workers and are putting them on, you know, in essence, having the taxpayers underwrite, um, you know, their social safety net. So we've got to hold these companies accountable. And in, in, what to, way, um, uh, in what way were you thinking of holding them accountable? How would you do that? Well, last year the legislation, and it wasn't, you know, there, um, this was a coalition and, um the service employees union did a great job leading the charge on this, along with Connecticut Citizen Action and other groups. Um, I'll, I'll try to have a better handle on the numbers because I can't recall from last year's legislation. But essentially, what it did was um, uh, ask the, a Walmart or a Dunkin' Donuts would have to pay X amount of money for every employee they put um, onto in, onto the state uh, Husky plan. So, okay. and then that money would go back into the state treasury to help, you know, help offset the deficit. That's right. So, in other words, if you, yeah. So, I, I you know, I don't know if it was $1,000 a person. It wasn't that, you know, it, it wasn't designed to directly put money in people's pockets just to say you've got to be held accountable for um, uh, putting these folks onto the taxpayer's tab. So, you've got to make good back to, you know, you've got to make it up to the state and to its taxpayers. Now, I, I don't know if you saw the, the, uh, the well, you probably did, the uh, the rah-rah the for the jobs, uh, uh, the increase in uh, employment uh, for the, mm. the last mm. quarter. But uh, that was extremely offset by the, by the announcements of uh, all the retail firms, uh, uh, all the stores shutting down, all of the uh, companies taking baths and going bankrupt. What, what, what did you think of, uh, what, do you, what do you think the outlook for this year is going to be at the retail environment. It looks like it's going to be. Ah, that's that's my concern. Is that um, you know I know that the jobs numbers have improved, but at the same time, as we've talked about often on this program and on 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 your blog, it's that we're not creating good, you know, family supporting and sustaining jobs. We may be creating jobs, but. Um, you know, they're kind of ephemeral, transient jobs without benefits, without long-term prospects. So, yep. you know, it's a bit of a bit of a deception. Yeah. Well, Lila was in uh, Walmart uh, this weekend. Hmm? Yeah, you went to Walmart this, yep. this weekend, and you were talking with some lady there who said it was devastating. Oh, uh, they had... They had laid <laughs> off so many people. They had they cut down. people. They had, I was looking for... I was in one of the aisles, and I guess I just talked mm -hmm. to everybody. They talked to me. And yeah, the lady right. was putting up some things, and I asked her how she was. She was working hard, and she, and then they made this announcement over the loudspeaker. They were looking for people to get shopping carts out to the parking lot, and she just looked at me and said, they've laid off a cutback on so many hours. 
they expect us to be everywhere. I have to do this, and now I'm I'm supposed to run out to the parking lot and look for shopping carts. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she said there's just not enough of me to go around. And all and the and the employer, yeah. employees that are left. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's devastating. She said they cut a I said, well, what happened? She said, well, they just cut a lot of hours and jobs. And, and I know uh, I know uh, Kmart and, uh, where's it, Kmart and, uh, and Torrington closed down right after Christmas. Um, so, I mean, there's just a, a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of stuff happening. 40, 40, 40 stores or penny stores are closing down. Sears is in yeah. major. Uh, Kmart. They're in a bit of a. They're in a bit of a free fall. So, and, and but here's the crazy thing, you know, it, these are low, these are companies that usually pay, you know, fairly notoriously low wages, um, uh, and you know they're crashing. I mean, there's just so many larger forces at work, you know, beyond uh, the control of, of of everyday workers. You know, so much of this really has to do with greed and with, um, you know, lining the pockets of an elite few. And also the stores that you're mentioning, like J.C. Penney, Sears, um, they were all middle they class. Were all, they were all middle middle. A lot of middle class people shopped at those stores. Yeah. Millions and billions of us. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. that's affected. I agree. And also, people's habits are changing. I mean, we're changing from going to brick and mortar stores to doing much more over the internet. Yep. And yes. It's just changed the way we live. Yes. Right. It's the Amazonian um, legacy, I guess. You know, Amazon. Well, that uh, and that, is, that is paying, and that's why you also have to have discussions about taxing um, transactions uh, via the internet because um, it's depriving. You know, it's, it's contributing. You know, to job loss. You know, Robert Reich talks about this a lot. Technology has taken away a lot of jobs. And those jobs oh, are coming back. And so we have to look at ways of, well, I, th- I think jobs are important for a lot of reasons, not only because people earn money, but it also keeps people engaged productively. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it you know, we have to think about why jobs are important. Are well, they're important for more than just money, Leo. It it gives I, I, it gives people a sense of well-being and contributing to their society. But I mean, I remember a lot when I was in high school reading about what society was going to be, and it was going to be that two people would hold the same job. So people would work only 20 hours a week at the same job. Yeah, and keep it on, keep keep everything and part keep, time, and keep everybody employed, but m- everybody making a good wage. That was when I was in high school, and, I, and that was many, many years yeah, ago. Well, that, that can't happen now. I mean, it's what it is. Everybody is part time, you know, part time. Right, workers. right. But again, it's not that these companies can't afford to, you know, create decent paying full time jobs. They just choose not to, That's for right. whatever reason. Whether it's technology, whether it's offshoring and trade policy, so um, you know. So maybe next month we can talk a little bit about trade. By the way, in the uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership, I you just you must be reading my mind. That's what I'm thinking about, a lot about. Yes, yeah, yeah, me too. I have to get back to work though. I am literally looking at my computer, and uh, I, I would love to actually continue the discussion on that because this is an important story that the media is you know not telling. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that next next month. I think that'd be Sounds important. Sounds good. Some traction Appreciate that it. way. We got a lot more going on good. by them too. Okay. Thanks good. very much. Thank, Thank you guys for having me. Loved it. All right. We love having our discussions with you. Yeah. Good. Well, thanks. Good. Have a nice night. Yeah. All right. Bye, Leo. Bye, Lila. Bye, bye. That was Larry Dorman, uh, public affairs coordinator for Ask Me Union Council for in New Britain, Connecticut. And he's our monthly guest, and he shares his views of what's happening in Connecticut and uh, nationally. And certainly next month we're going to talk about the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which isn't really a trade agreement at all. Uh, No, it's it's just a corporate corporate fund thing that's destroying this country again. 
But anyway, um, let me see. There was something I wanted to read in, on the uh, AFL-CIO blog. I just wanted to remind people that the uh, Republicans are after Social Security cuts, and I'm not sure if they were able to do that. On their very first day oh. of work, they wanted to cut 20% from disability, and I'm not sure whether that passed yeah, it, or not. Uh, it did. I believe it did, but uh, you, you, uh, um, did it say anything on that? No, they were talking about okay. that. We right. told you how Republican House members last week went after the Social Security on the very first day at work. Some 11 million people who received Social Security disability benefits could see their benefits cut by 20% in 2016, and cuts to Social Security retirement benefits for everyone could also be in store. Here's what other folks have to say about that and other attacks Republicans may launch against Social Security. Wait, uh, so it's uh, not definite, but it's it, it's coming, folks, and we've got to be ready to fight it. There's an article that I, that I can finish tonight with, possibly. It's uh, nine photos that reveal America's obscene division of wealth. Oh. And uh, you can't obviously see the photos, but uh, we'll describe this to you. It says, as we wonder why there's an inequality problem. Yeah. Many people don't understand our country's problem of concentration of income and wealth because they don't see it. People just don't understand how much wealth there is at the top now, so much that it's beyond most people's ability to comprehend. If people understood just how concentrated wealth has become in our country and the effect it has, it, it, the effect it has on our politics, our democracy and our people, they would demand our politicians do something about it. How much is a billion? Some Wall Street types and others make over a billion dollars a year, each year. How much is a billion dollars? How can you visualize an amount of money so high? Here is one way to think about it. The median household income in the U.S. is around 29000 If you make $29,000 a year and don't spend a single penny of it, it will take you 35,482 years to save a billion dollars. What do people do with so much? What do people do with all that money? Good question. After you own a stable of politicians who will cut your taxes, there are a few more things that you can buy. Let's see what a billion dollars can buy you. Cars. Cars. There is a Maybach. That's a, that's a Mercedes, okay, but high-end Mercedes. But Most people don't even know there is something called a Maybach. Bach. The one in the picture that we're looking at, it's not that great looking, no, is a land-a-lot model, costs $1 million. Rush Limbaugh, who has five homes in Parham Beach, drives a cheaper Maybach, 57S, but makes up for it by owning six of them. You own six Maybachs. <laughs> Your billion dollars will only buy you a 1,000 Maybachs, here are pics of just some of Ralph Lauren's collection of cars. This is not a museum. This is one person's private collection. So there's a whole thing about his cars. Yeah. Okay. There is yeah. the Martin Palace Hotel in Turkey, the Burj Al Arab in Dubai. Here is a photo gallery of some other expensive hotels where people pay Twenty to thirty thousand dollars a night. A billion dollars will buy you a twenty thousand dollar room every night for one hundred and thirty-seven <laughs> years. Remember to send me a postcard. Then their yacht, yeah. Le Grand Bleu, ninety yes. million. Ninety million dollar yacht. Some people yeah. spend as much as two hundred million or more on yachts. You could buy ten a hundred million dollar yachts with a billion dollars, or a private jet. Of course, you can also get around via private jets. There are approximately 15,000 private jets registered in the U.S. And? Uh, this is, they showed a picture of a Gulfstream G550. You can pick one up for around 40 million, depending. Maybe 60 million top of the line. Your billion will buy you 25 of these. A private island. If the rabble are getting you down, you can always escape to a private island. This one is going for $24.5 million, castle included. You can only buy 40 of these with your billion dollars. Mansions? The modest home. 
No, this modest yeah, home. No, they're yeah, showing yeah, a picture yeah. of it. Exactly. It actually is for the neighborhood it is in. Is offered right now at only eight million. I ride my bike past on my regular exercise route while I think about how the top tax rate used to be high enough to have good athletic facilities, schools, and roads, and we didn't even have deficits. Here are a few nearby homes up for sale. You can buy 125 houses like this one with your billion. So they're showing you a beautiful house. Yeah. Isn't it uh, an article about 10 watches that are more expensive than a Ferrari? The one in this picture costs about $5 million, and you can buy 200 of these with a billion dollars. <coughs> so you say to yourself, I want me some of that. I'd like to place the following order, please. One Maybach Lottolette from $1 million to, arrive out, to drive around in. One one million dollars Or one $1 million yacht for when I want to get seasick. One Gulfstream 550 private jet for $40 million. One private island for $24.5 million, castle included. One $8 million estate for when I have to go ashore and mingle with the basses, but not too close to them. One $5 million watch so I can have one. And the total is $178.5 million. My change after paying with the billion-dollar bill is a meager $821.5 million left over. I might be hard up for cash after my spending spree, but I can still stay in a $20,000 a room for every night for 112 and a half years. So, as you can see, a billion dollars is more than enough, really, to live it up. People today are amassing multiples of billions, paying very little in taxes, and using it in, a, in ways that harm the rest of us. How extreme is the concentration? Now you have a way to visualize just how much money is concentrated at the very top. And the concentration is increasing. The top of 1% uh, took in 23.5% of all the country's <coughs> income in 2007. In 1979, they only took in 8.9%. It is concentrating at the expense of the rest of us. Between 1979 and 2008, the top 5% of American families saw their real incomes increase 73% according to census data. Over the same period, the lowest income fifth, 20% of us, saw a decrease in income of 4.1%. The rest were just stagnant or saw very little increase. This is why people are borrowing more and more, falling further and further behind. And uh, income versus wealth. Um, we got just a couple of minutes here, but there are a few people who make hundreds of millions of, of income in a single year. Some people make more than a billion in a year, but that is in a single year. If you make vast sums every year, eventually it starts to add up. And then there is the story of inherited wealth passing down and growing for generation after generation. One top 1% owns more than 90% of us combined. <laughs> In 2007, the richest 1% of the U.S. households owned 33% of the nation's private wealth. That's more than, un than the combined wealth of the bottom 90%. 400 people have as much wealth as half of our population. The combined net worth of the Forbes 400 wealthiest Americans in 2007 $1.5 trillion, the combined net worth of the poorest 50% of American households, $1.6 trillion. God. 400 Corp families. Yep. As much as 50% of American households. Corporate wealth is also personal wealth. When you hear about corporations doing well, think about this chart. And mutual funds and stocks. and um, Unbelievable. Yeah. So anyway, um, it's really harmful for everybody. And uh, the concentration is having a harmful effect on the rest of us and even on the wealthy. When incomes become so concentrated, people who could otherwise think they are well off uh, look up the ladder and see vastly more wealth accumulating and think they are not doing all that well after all. This leads to dissatisfaction and risk-taking in an effort to get even more. And this risk-taking is what leads to financial collapse. Well, so, anyway... This is kind of what this goes on and on, but we're at the end of our show, and we want to thank everybody who joined us tonight. 
And we'll thank Larry Dorman also for being a guest on our show, Ask Me Council 4. We ask that everybody support the unions and, uh, you know, working people everywhere. So good night, everyone, and uh, thanks for joining us. Have a good night, folks. Good night.